We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ Hybe and on Facebook. This week's guest is Lane Kaoka. Lane has been investing for over a decade and now controls over 2,600 units. As owner of crowdfundaloha.com, simplepassivecashflow.com, and rayaloha.com, Lane is responsible for finding investment opportunities, analysis, and marketing. Lane obtained a BS in industrial engineering and MS in civil engineering and construction management from the University of Washington. In addition to an analytical engineering background, Lane has real-world experience in working as a project manager for over $230 million of capital construction projects in both the public and private sector. Working as a high-paid professional in corporate America and frustrated by the traditional wealth-building dogma, Lane was compelled to inspire and mentor other working professionals via his Top 50 Investing podcast at simplepassivecashflow.com. Lane, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Laurie. Thanks for taking the time. Um, so what are the basics of building a passive rental portfolio while working full time? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, everybody watches these HGTV shows where they're like flipping houses, which is completely the opposite of what I do. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm more of a passive investor, so I just buy and hold things. And, um, but I make sure that they cash flow from the get go so okay. that the rents more than exceed the mortgage payments and then any expenses or capex that you can expect um so should you invest in primary secondary or tertiary markets yeah so when people are getting going you know most of most of my investors are kind of in california seattle west coast or hawaii um those are probably not the best places to invest if you're looking for cash flow Mm-hmm. primary markets are you know places like new york the aforementioned places the you know like miami your rent to value ratios aren't going to be as such that you're going to be able to cash flow in those locations so i look in secondary markets like birmingham atlanta indianapolis kansas city memphis little rock places like that you know big cities but they're not just not the sexy places that you would think and um you know like in anything else when you kind of get off the beaten path the, the rewards are much sweeter. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say Milwaukee is kind of one of those. That's that's my hometown right here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, um, you know, Milwaukee, I know that people are getting 1% to 2% rent-to-value ratios out there, and that's kind of the next big indicator to look at. Um, you take the monthly rent divided by the purchase price, and um, if it's 1% or higher, that's a good sign that you're going to be able to cash flow. Oh, nice. That's a good little formula to share. Um, any other apartments, uh, uh, other than apartments and rentals, what other recession proof asset classes are there? Well, I mean, I like apartments and, you know, single family homes for the working class folks, you know, mm-hmm. more B and C class assets that we call it. Um, you know, because in this country, the population is going up and we always have immigration. 
And, you know, average people making less than $50,000 a year are always going to need a place to live. And, um, you know, that's why I like to invest in those type of assets. So in a recession, you know, all the, the yuppies living in the luxury rentals move down to the Bs and then the Bs move down to the Cs, kind of where I play around in the B and C class. So okay. other than that, you know, mobile home parks are a great um, recession-proof asset and self-storage. Yeah, I, I've um, definitely heard about the mobile home parks and self-storages. I see those just popping up everywhere now, it seems like. Um, all right, so Lane, the purpose of my show is really to help alleviate any fear that someone has when they hear that word networking. So can you share with our listeners um, your most successful or favorite networking experience that you've had? Yeah, I mean, you know, like the, the one, one of my first things that somebody taught me was like, you never go networking at a general networking uh, event. Like you see these on meetup or whatnot. There's, it's just a random collection of people. And typically you're going to find people who are looking for a job there or mm -hmm. it's, or ba but basically on a high level, it's like people are always at, going out, figuring out what's in it for them. Right. Me, 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 me. Um, my best experience was when I finally actually paid, you know, five, 10, $25,000 for paid masterminds to get in a room of qualified people where they were at a point in their business where it wasn't really about them. They didn't really have to worry about putting food on the table to feel their family. So at that point, um, it was a lot more collaborative and just being able to collaborate with somebody on the high, high level like yourself and, um, you know, kind of, you know, not in a non-competitive manner, manner is, um, you know, great experience. And that's why I continue to go to these masterminds. Yeah. I'm a, Huge fan of masterminds. I'm glad you brought that up. But it's good to point out that it's um, you get what you pay for. You know, if you go to a local event that's free or ten dollar entry fee, then to some extent you are that's you're getting a free networking experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're always gonna get somebody selling you structured water or some kind <laughs> of random MLM thing, right? <laughs> or uh -huh. life insurance or whatnot. Oh yeah, the life insurance guys. <laughs> <laughs> So as you continue to build your network, how do you nurture these relationships that you've created? Yes. Yeah, so for me, um, I have my investor club and, um, you know, like I always tell people like we're a bunch of accredited investors and higher paid professionals. Um, a lot of people in my ecosystem don't have the time to go to a happy hour on a Thursday night or whatnot. You know, they're busy people. They make over a hundred grand a year at their day job. They're tired. And they have families, you know, they're contributing members to society. Um, and they don't want to go to a regular real estate event where it's just a bunch of tired kickers and broke people. Because let's face it, you know, real estate crowds, real estate investing cl clubs are usually for people who don't have very much money. And they hear real estate as a way of making money. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of curated a group through my investors where if you invest with me, you now you get access to my network. And we all know your network is your net worth. Oh, yeah. I like that. Your network is your net worth. What advice would you offer that business professional who's looking to grow their network? So I would say, um, you know, filter. I wouldn't hang out with anybody who, you know, I mean, maybe this is a bad thing, but your net worth is a big indicator where you are, you know? Um, yeah, somebody might have been born into it, but... Mm -hmm. 
I do know if somebody doesn't have a net worth of at least $50,000, you know, they need to go figure out how to make money. Uh, for myself, I mean, I went to a job and, and worked that and I saved it. And, um, you know, being able to save and accumulate money is, you know, maybe it's a test of character in a way. And maybe those are the people that you likely want to uh, surround yourself with. So I would say for like, you know, the people like other business professionals, try and look for other business professionals, higher net worth. But then again, you know, a lot of business professionals, they're stuck in that paradigm of going to going to work and, you know, for 40, 50 years too. Yeah. So um, I like the idea of filtering and really identifying. So how do you, how would one really figure out um who are the ideal uh, individuals to associate yourself with and where can you find them? Where would you recommend someone find those individuals? Yeah. So like, as I said before, you know, it's like the net worth is kind of the first thing, but you you got to build relationships to kind of figure that out. Right. Because mm -hmm. everybody looks like a $30,000 millionaire in Texas to use that saying. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> but everybody, um, you know, like once you kind of get going along in networking, it seems like like you can't, it's hard to determine who's actually doing what. And, you know, referrals kind of go a long way. And I, I, I think at that point, you just have to build relationships with a few people, right? Quality over quantity mm -hmm. and kind of stay close to their network. And they're staying close to you too. And hopefully you can build a big enough web to kind of filter in the right people. Yeah, I, that's a good way to look at it. I like how you really put the emphasis on the quality over quantity. I think oftentimes people get into networking and they think it's all about, you know, how many people can I connect with on LinkedIn or whatever it is, as opposed to what is the quality of these connections that I'm actually making? Right, right. I've probably been to like two of these like really random um, bad experience networking events. And you always <laughs> see these guys, they run around, they shake people's hand and they they say, hey, can we trade cards? And it's like, uh, no, I don't have any, you know, you're not worth my 50 cents. Because <laughs> yeah. they know that's just how you are. You're just like, you know, just skimming off the top. Um, you know, these people, they never get anywhere. You know, they mm -hmm. may seem like they add a lot of people to their database, but they're all service connections. Mm -hmm. um, and in this world, you know, unless you go deep, you're never going to, you know, be able to extract the value from your list. Yeah, I think that's really important. So um, you just shared with me that you you haven't really, um, you don't commute right now. You don't really go out and about much because you're working from home. Um, but obviously digital is um, really valuable. That's hence the reason you can work from home. But traditional networking, like you said, attending events is important as, as well. Between the two, digital networking and traditional networking, which one do you find more value in? Um, for me, it's digital networking. I'm, I'm an introvert, so I don't really do well in like, you know, those kind of type of settings. Mm -hmm. um, I can do it if it's like talking about rental real estate because I, you know, I get energetic and energized by that type of topic matter. Yep. Um, but when I start talking about, you know, cashing out my 401k because the variety of reasons to do so and self-directed IRAs or syndications, private placements, and people look at me cross-eyed, um, that's that's kind of like swimming upstream. I see it. And I don't like to swim, nor do I like to do it upstream. So, I mean, look, I mean, my claim to fame is I created a podcast and it's sort of a lightning rod to attract the right people. Uh -huh. And, you know, for me, um, you know, that'd be my best suggestion. I mean, make a podcast and people come to you, although that's not really practical advice. But, <laughs> 
I, I think there's some value in, um, well, obviously there's value in podcasting. That's why you're doing it. Um, right. But, but for I'm the average Joe it, to, yeah. you know, how am I going to create an a, a awesome network where people come to me, create a podcast? You know, that's, that's kind of like, well, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to go and work out eight hours a day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good analogy. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? You know, for me, I, I was an engineer. Um, I kind of did things exactly how I should have. Um, I went to work for, I just quit my job earlier this year after working for about 10 years. Um, but that day job allowed me to save money and to build my net worth up to a certain point where I could continue to buy rental properties one by one and then start to get into apartments later. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of real estate investors, you know, it's, it, how, you know, unless you have a certain net worth, you can't really get into certain groups. So it's, it's a, sort of a slow build to get up to that point. Um, and then, you, you know, relationships as you kind of climb the ladder are key. So would you have done anything differently in your, when you were 20? Probably not. I mean, you know, when I was 20, I bought my first rental property, rented it out, and then it took me a few years to buy the next one. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years to buy the next one. And then every year I bought another one. Um, should I have done it again? I wouldn't have bought 11 rentals from 2009 to 2015. I would have bought only a few mm-hmm. and then uh, focused on building my network of other people who are going into syndications, private placements oh, interesting. and, and go into apartments then. Okay. All right. So we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Now, who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you could do it within the sixth degree? Um, I don't I never really had anybody that I had on my list. Um, Cause you know, like connecting with people that are too high above you, I think people aspire to that too much. And quite frankly, a lot of these guys, like they haven't done the tactical things that are applicable today. Right. Like when you watch Shark Tank, all the sharks, great businessmen, and they killed it at their time, but things change so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the testament that they're up there is that they, you know, that they were able to execute at their time. But, you know, like, for example, for real estate investors, you know, that are in like the wholesaling and flipping, you know, they tell you to, you know, do these, send all these yellow letters to skim for, you know, desperate buyers. Well, that, that tactic doesn't really work these days. The game changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who's three, four rungs higher than I am, um, I don't really know what they can do. And, you know, honestly, I, I would rather have somebody who's one or two rungs higher than myself. Okay. Um, but if you had to twist my arm, like who I would want to connect with, um, you know, maybe like Kobe Bryant or someone like that. So like he was <laughs> on a bunch of podcasts. He's kind of trying to recreate his brand. Sure. So, like, I don't know. I liked him as a basketball player. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What would you do to try to make that happen? Um, I've got probably in my circle, um, you know, people who have had them on podcasts, mm-hmm. I would, you know, they are in my kind of my first rung. So that's who I'd probably reach out to. Nice. So why don't you do it? Um, because Kobe Bryant, I don't know. I mean, he, <laughs> the only reason I would want to have him uh, connect with him is if he can come on my podcast and give value to my audience, which quite honestly, I don't think he would. Yeah, he would be a big name and he would help my brand, but yep. 
to me, it's more about how can I help my simple passive cash flow audience of passive mm-hmm. investors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You might have something to offer. You never know. Right. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, from a branding standpoint, right. Sometimes you do things for branding. Sometimes you do things to, you know, to add value. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. All right. So as um, an entrepreneur, I imagine continuing to educate yourself is important. So is there any uh, book that you're reading right now or listening to that you want to share with our listeners? Um, I am reading Gary Vaynerchuk's um, crushing it. I think it's okay. the second book. It's not crushing, sure. crush yep. it. It's crushing it. Crushing it. Yeah. It's just a, he's got some examples of people who kind of t- take in a certain social media platform and what they're doing of it. But yeah, I try to read a book every month or yeah. audio book, but I, Good. you know, this one, it's, it's, it's motivating that, you know, he kind of says we're on like this pioneering front where be authentic, create your own brand. And, um, you know, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that story. I read that one and it really kind of tells the story of how his whole um, wine business basically exploded. And I I think it's obviously he's very successful and it's quite fascinating what he's done with it. Um, And I think it's even better that he just decided to share his story and how he got to where he is today. And that helped him kind of explode really right right his claim the fame is the twitter thing which now you can't do that right unless you're the pioneer mm-hmm. um you know it doesn't really help you but i what i my takeaway is like you know like in anything there's going to be you know pioneering or early adopters right mm-hmm. like i know he he says he trolls the the top 50 apps in the app store and see what's kind of upcoming and he tries to play around with it. and i think that's a key for all entrepreneurs is you just have to play around with stuff, see what yeah. sticks. Which can be um, a positive, but also a negative because it can be a time suck in that, you know, you're putting time and you're making guesses and assumptions as to what, you know, is going to be adopted and can moving on to that next stage of evolution of the product. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's a lot of truth to that, especially from an investment standpoint. Right, right. I mean, they say success is luck and hard work, right? Yeah. If you don't have luck, I mean, you need both. (laughs) It is. You got to, you know, it's being in the right spot at the right time. You don't just magically show up there. It's it's putting the time and energy to make sure you are there. Right. A lot of people put in the hard work, but they just don't get lucky too. Forget about (laughs) those. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Yeah, those are the challenging ones for sure. You feel bad for them. all right, Lane, here's your chance to interview me. What is something that you'd like to ask me? I guess, what do you think is like some of the biggest, um, you know, if you talk to somebody in five minutes, what is something that you you can pick up or, you know, some of your takeaways of like that person does not have the right mindset, like something that they say that triggers you, you know, because I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people and you've kind of seen if they fizzled out and not done anything or gone on to big success. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you know that definitely doesn't work or a mindset that's it's destined to fail? Um, you know, speaking to luck a little bit is interesting that you brought brought that up. Uh, and I think mindset is really important. If someone's going in and they have that positive mindset and they're putting in the time and energy to take care of themselves, that says a lot about that individual. And I think it's extremely important to invest the time in yourself first. 
um, because if you're not taking care of yourself mentally and physically, um, it's really hard for you to take care of your business or your team or, you know, other things that are out there. So I would say that's usually one of the first things that um, really stands out is, you know, if someone has the um, mental mental mindset that says, yes, I'm investing in myself and I'm positive and um, they're supportive and they're looking to give as opposed to just looking what I can get out of this relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Is, is that that grant book, Givers and Takers? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one for sure. So Lane, any final word of advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, I would say, you know, just like one last piece of advice for the folks, um, you know, it's not only just networking or building up your social network or social capital. It's, it's networking and growing. You need to kind of grow your brand because you can network with a thousand people, but if you're not growing what you're doing in your business, um, it's all going to be for nothing. And mm-hmm. vice versa too, right? If you keep if you keep killing at your business and building digital assets or doing good things with your clients, or whatever, but you're not telling people about it, um, it's it's all for nothing too. Yep. So I think it's uh, you got to concentrate on both. Um, but yeah, if anybody's interested in um, you know investing in real estate, I think if it's more of an end game strategy, you know, once you are doing pretty well in your business and you want to optimize it and stop working forever. Um, you know, something to try out that I started with are turnkey rentals where you purchase a $100,000 property that rents for $1,000. So it meets that 1% rent to value ratio. So you get a cash flow, but all the components are sort of ready uh, rehab, you know, roof, new plumbing, new electrical. So you don't have to worry about that. But um, I talk about that in my first dozen podcasts, um, simple passive cash flow, iTunes, Google Play, et cetera. Nice. <laughs> All right. And if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, check out my website, simplepassivecashflow.com. And my email is lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. Awesome. We will include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah. Thanks, Laurie. Lots of fun. Great conversation. You had some fantastic insights. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Lane for taking the time to connect with us. Join us next week for another great guest as we continue the conversation on networking and building your community. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.